The thrills and chills return to the airwaves of Orion Neighborhood Television as the Michigan Wrestling Organization presents the 2021 Trick or Slam Supercard. It happens on Saturday, October the 9th, beginning at 6.05 p.m. You will see all the top superstars of the Michigan Wrestling Organization, including four championship matches that we'll see in the main event. In a 30-minute Iron Man match, Jack Terran will defend the MWO Championship against Roberto Cruz. Plus, Ex-Convict and Platinum will defend the Tag Team Championship against Skulls and the Creature Feature, John Campbell, and so much more. Make your plans to be a part of Michigan Wrestling Organization history on Saturday, October 9th at 6.05 p.m. exclusively on the Orion ONTV Facebook page. The following is a Klaus to the Heart presentation as a part of the Jackal Creations Podcast Network and has been rated M for, for mature audiences only. Some material and dialogue may not be suitable for members of the family under 18 years of age. I'm Jason Klaus. I'm a husband, I'm a father. I'm a union worker, I'm a professional wrestler, I'm a promoter. This is my show. And on here we are going to tackle a number of different topics. Close to the Heart Podcast. We could be talking about sports, we could be talking about pop culture, we could be talking about professional wrestling, but above all else we are going to talk about how we can go through life to make a positive difference for ourselves and for those in and around our lives. Welcome to the Close to the Heart Podcast. Welcome to my show. This is the Close to the Heart Podcast, powered by Anchor.fm. Hey everybody, welcome to a special edition of the Klaus to the Heart podcast. This is the flagship show of the Tackle uh, Creations Podcast Network. Of course, that is powered by our friends over at Anchor.fm. I'm Jason Klaus, and I certainly appreciate you taking time to listen, uh, you know, tune in and listen to this week's show. Um, it, this is going to be a different one. Um, Nikki Felsoni is not here with me this week, but I do have a very special guest on here that is, is going to tell what I believe to be a extraordinary story. And it is the story of his life. Now, before we get to him, uh, let me preface everything by saying a couple of things here. N number one, right at the top of the show, this is probably going to be a very raw conversation. So if you have a tendency to listen to our shows in front of kids, and I really don't know why you would, because <laughs> based on, uh, on some of the content that we have here, I think w Wendy's World would be the most 
uh, family friendly of, of all of our shows, but I digress. Um, but for real, this is going to be a very serious conversation because if anybody that spends any amount of time on any platform of social media, you see a lot of posts that attempt to bring awareness and some degree of better understanding with what can be wrapped up into mental health. Uh, whether it's good mental health, bad me mental health, because when somebody is on the verge of a breakdown, that seems to be the thing that garners the, the most attention. And with that comes a lot of misunderstanding. A lot comes from, because that's one of those things that I, I see played out on a regular basis is, you know, there are people who will make comments on there that are some of the most damning things I have ever read in terms of any kind of correspondence when you're dealing with mental illness or poor me mental health, I guess, for that, I should say, because I'm, I'm certainly not here to try to um, offend anybody. But at the same time, I, I, I am a strong believer that this is an area, this is something that a lot of people deal with that by and large does not get the kind of attention, does not get the kind of, of support that I really believe should come into play here. With all that being said, joining me on this show is my friend Rick Crow. And... Some of you may know him as part of the Michigan Wrestling Organization as Alex Crow, and uh, in Imperial Wrestling Entertainment as Eric Crow. I know him as my friend Rick, and um, Rick, for you know, first of all, brother, I really appreciate you coming on to the show. I appreciate the fact that you are willing to more or less open your soul in front of the entire world. I know this cannot be an easy thing for you. So before we start rolling here, let me just say how, how much I appreciate the opportunity for you to come on here and tell your story. And at this point, my friend, how how's things in in your world right now? Um, things are OK. Um, it's, it's been a rough year <laughs> for me, but, uh, you know, I'm, right now I'm just kind of taking it day by day and, um, getting by. Okay. Um, I'm not really sure where you want to start this. I like, I'm, I know what you want out of it. I'm just not quite sure how to navigate everything here. Um, okay. I, I guess what what I will say to to kind of set the stage as to what brought us here to this point is, you know, you you and I we we first met on a very professional basis. You came to the Michigan Wrestling Organization in twenty sixteen. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, and um, you know, it was very much a promoter talent. Kind of, of relationship over the t over the years, though, 
you know, you've demonstrated that you are a mainstay with, with the company and, and, and people that demonstrate that kind of, of commitment. I'm obviously going to be more personally uh, accessible for. Now, the one thing I've always admired about you, Rick, is you have a tremendous passion and drive for the performing arts, whether it be in a wrestling ring or on stage as part of a play. And I've always admired that because there how I'm sure you know tons of people, I know I do, that have that always say, man, I wish I could have done this or I wish I would have tried that. Well, what what are you what are you talking about it for? Go out and do it. <laughs> If, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But at least you tried, right? Right. Now, um, over the course of the time that I've known you, um, by and large, up until here recently, from an outsider looking in, because obviously, you know, I had a limited time with you, usually during you know, show days and things of that nature. And you know, as well as anybody on show days, it, it gets very <laughs> hectic at times. It gets very hectic, yes. Um, so it wasn't entirely too long ago that I started noticing some of your Facebook posts. And some of them really in, indicated that, you, number one, you were struggling with something. But the the way it was worded, there wasn't a lot of detail and, you know, some people may call it vague posting. Mm -hmm. um, so like you had my attention ju just based on what was or how it was worded. But again, I wasn't really sure what, what the hell we, we were talking about here. I mean, did, did your cat die? I mean, if that's the case, that's absolutely horrible. My cat did die, actually, this year, as a matter of fact, so, yeah. <laughs> okay, bad example. But, <laughs> you know, my point is, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize what, what, we, what we were talking about here. And then you started posting, like, videos, like, live videos and stuff like this. And what, um, what I would categorize as video evidence of something of a complete breakdown for you yep <laughs> now with that being said what brought us to that point rick a lot of stuff um over the course of the last um couple of years um i've made a series of what i would call <laughs> nicely uh bad choices um i i don't want to you know i'm pretty open i don't want to get too in depth about things but um i did a lot of things that i wish i had handled much differently Okay. Uh, hang, hang on a second. Okay. I I understand that you don't want to go too far in into the weeds here. Right, right, right. But but at the same time, in terms of context, 
Yeah. I mean, there, there's got you, you. I mean, I look, man. I, I respect the fact that there are things in your story that you don't want public. You know, as far as the the very specifics of it, but. Generally speaking, just so I have an idea of what we're talking about here, so I don't okay. get lost, I yeah, need yeah. a little bit more in, information. Right. Well, let's. I, I, I guess I'll just be straight uh, with with you then. Um, I entered into a relationship with a woman who wasn't my wife. Okay. Um, for a very long time, about three years. Um. And, um, because of a lot of the things that I have, uh, that I have dealt with and, um, my mental health issues, uh, I got scared and I got put in a position where I had to make a decision that I couldn't make. Um, and, um, <laughs> as these things tend to do, they imploded. Um, in a very so, bad way. So when you say you had to make a decision, was it something along the lines of you had to choose which road that you were going to go down in terms of who you wanted to spend your life with? Yes, that okay. was a big one. Um, there are there there are things in my past that sort of I've been sort of programmed uh, to try not to make anyone upset with me, um, to not hurt people. Um, I'm pretty self-destructive in things like that. Um, and that goes way back, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. But essentially, um, I knew what I wanted to do and I knew what the right thing to do was. But Instead of doing those things, I tried to make everybody happy and not hurt anybody. And I figured everything would work itself out. And um, what I thought would happen is exactly what happened. I, I, I st standing on the tracks, watching the train coming and not moving out of the way, um, essentially, um, which is something that I'm, I'm, I tend to do. Um, and... Um, I, I ended up hurting a lot of people, a lot of people who were very important to me and very special to me and um, kind of had things kind of snowball down onto me to the point that I had a complete total mental breakdown. And um, this year alone, I've tried to commit suicide twice. Okay. Uh, before we get to that part, let's let's <laughs> back up a little bit. Okay. You're involved in essentially two relationships, one with your wife and one with somebody who was this somebody that you that you've known for a while. You had just recently met. What's what's uh, what's the dynamic here? We had been very close friends for a while um, and we just started hanging out with each other and never intended for anything to happen. And things snowballed and we've kind of fell for each other and um 
she was aware that you were married, yes? At the time, uh, my wife and I were fighting. We were separated. We were discussing divorce. And um, that's where we were. And so when everything started happening, I figured everything would continue down that path. And then my wife found out about her. And then suddenly the divorce became a thing that she didn't want anymore. And then I kind of got trapped, so to speak, um, in this situation. And it was kind of powerless. I mean, I wasn't powerless, but in my mind, I was. So at the time that you you meet this uh, this this other woman mm-hmm. it's during a, a tumultuous time in your marriage yes you guys were separated now you say you guys were separated like you were living in, in separate houses what what does that look like we were living together uh not sleeping with each other not in any kind of relationship i was basically st- still here because of our son and we were co-parenting together and I was working on a way to leave, you know, completely, but didn't have anywhere to go at the time, but didn't want to make waves with, with my son. I guess if that makes sense, I didn't want him to have a sense that things were, were wrong at this point. Um, so we kind of made the decision that we were going to co-parent together and we were going to figure things out as they came and, somebody else got involved and suddenly that's not the route that my wife wanted to take anymore. Okay. How, if you don't mind my, my asking, how did <laughs> your wife find out about the other girl? Cause I am self-destructive and, um, I left evidence because I wanted her to push me out so that I didn't have to do it. Cause that's, something that I do um, cuz again I feel like it's more of a uh better for me if I'm the one who gets hurt not the other way around if that makes any sense you said a little bit ago that you you had something of an idea of how you thought this whole thing would would play out yeah what what exactly did you imagine how did you see this playing out in, in your mind? Because I, this is a very complex thing, bro. <laughs> you know, there were lots of times that I'd be sitting at work and I would just, I would tell myself, like, if you don't leave, you're going to lose everybody. You have to do it. And then I would go back into my head, like, you can't do that. Oh, every, everything will be fine. You know, you 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 just stay where you are and don't make any waves and everything will work itself out. So I I have this great innate ability to look at the right thing to do and look at the wrong thing to do and go, I'm going to do the wrong thing. And a lot of the times it's not even something that I feel like I have control over. Um, it's just... It's it's hard to describe that feeling of okay, don't hurt anybody. Everything is fine. Like, don't make any waves. And knowing that if you don't do something, like 
everything's going to come crashing down. And it's like I said, it's like watching a train barreling at you and feeling paralyzed and kind of a fear um, to do anything, if that makes sense. Um, this probably stems back from... Um, <laughs> Are you, are you ready for the list of, of uh, things that I suffer from? <laughs> uh, I, I have ADHD. I have uh, what's called rejection sensitivity dysmorphia, um, borderline personality disorder, um, disassociative identity disorder, um, which can sometimes be commonly referred to as a sort of schizophrenia. Um, things happen that I don't even remember happening. I know that I did, that I watched sort of like a dream unfold in front of me, powerless to kind of stop it. Um, anxiety, depression, self-harm. Um, I've, I've been suicidal. Um, yeah, I, I have a whole, <laughs> I have a whole spice drawer full of things wrong with my head, um, which is why I've been in therapy uh, also for a while. So. Hello, worry. You and your wife separated before things got physical with with this with this other girl. We had been fighting for a few years, and our marriage had been in trouble for, I want to say, five or six years. Um, that our marriage had been sort of falling apart and staying together, more or less because of our kid. Sure. Uh, um, how long have you guys been married? Twelve years. No kidding. Wow, yeah, I didn't, re- I, I didn't know that. That's that's yep. quite a while. Yeah, uh, we've I mean, in, and we've known each other since high school, so we're not like we've been we've been in each other's lives for a long time. Okay. Um, that that paints a clearer picture here. Um. So when your wife finds out about the other girl, mm-hmm. does she make any attempt to contact her? Has, has, <laughs> has there been any kind of correspondence between these two? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she, okay. she, she sent quite a few messages to her telling her to stay away from me. And um, I kind of went into what I like to call a self-protect mode. Uh, don't make anybody angry. Don't make anybody upset. Oh, it's nothing. Don't worry about it. You know, um, growing up an only child, I, I learned how to protect myself by any means necessary to say whatever it took to to not be in trouble. And um, I would try to spin things instead of just being like, yup, this is what's happened, which I swear I wish I would have just come clean. But the programming in my brain goes, protect yourself, protect yourself at all costs. And then I would get into these weird worst case scenarios. Like if you don't protect yourself, she's going to keep your son from you. You're not going to be able to see him anymore. She's going to leave with him. You're, you're going to be left alone. And like, even the other girl, she's going to leave you too. Dude, you, you just got, you got to, you got to spin. You got to, you got to, you got to stay safe right now. And that's, um, I mean, I guess it's sort of human nature, but it's it's something that I have learned to do since I was really little. 
I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling with this mm-hmm. because I don't know how to word things without offending you, without offending anybody that that's listening. Because I don't have a lot of experience with things that are this deep. Like you just laid <laughs> out, which. I don't know anybody else that would, but I mean, you just laid out all these, you know, all these ailments that, that you're dealing with that are obviously a contributor to, you know, your, your, your mental well being, whether it's good or bad, you know, obviously yeah. in this, this, in this case, it's kind of on the bad side of the spectrum. Right. But as you're laying this out, Forgive me, but it just and I I may have something wrong here. Maybe I picked up on something that wasn't intended that way, but mm-hmm. it, it, it it almost seems to me like in in the middle of this conflict between two women, you're in the middle. You kind of started a forest fire, and and you're just letting the shit burn, and you're trying yep. to find your your safe haven in the midst of this raging inferno. Yeah. And do do I have this right or am I no, that's, off my rocker? That's absolutely correct. That's that's how a lot of it felt, you know. Um there there are people who were in my life who were friends that pretty much have come to me and been like, this is what you wanted. You were so happy with this and it's not. It's it's not at all. I I I felt just as trapped as I know that both of them did. Like there were a lot of nights where I would come home and you know I I can put up the brave front to everybody like yep everything's cool everything's all right. Um, and inside, it's just it's it's a fight with myself. I would lay in bed and just cry cry myself to sleep because I wouldn't know what to do, and everything felt like the wrong thing to do. And when you're already sort of in that mental state where you're always wrong and you hate yourself, it becomes even worse. It becomes the, the, like you said, a forest fire that just burns and you just stand there holding a cup of water going, I can fix this, but you, you can't. Have you and your wife talked about, or had had you guys uh, seen like a counselor or or something along these lines when you realized that the that the marriage was in trouble? Um, no, no. Um, just went along pretending that everything was okay. Is that something that you would be open to? Um, it has been discussed. Um in the past, but yeah, yeah. Um, I've, I've kind of been working on my therapy. Um, I mean the, the long and short of it is, uh, my wife is still here and the other woman is long gone. Um, no coming back from that one. Um, and so now it's, we, we have just, we've talked about it and it's, it's something that if anything is going to work with, we'll probably have to take that step at some point. Yes. Okay, so 
that kind of leads me into the next part of this, and that's kind of f- focusing on the other one. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, you, know, you you've relayed that you've had feelings. You had feelings for this girl. Things became physical. I would assume. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I mean, I guess in your mind, had you had you made the decision that without a shadow of a doubt that she would be the one that you want to move on in life with? Were you ready to close the door on your marriage and move on to this new life with, with this new woman? I was. Okay. I was. Did you relay that to her? We had talked about, um, moving in together a couple of times. Um, and because of her past, she was very hesitant about things. So I made the decision to back off and say, okay, when she's ready, she's going to come to me. But she didn't come to me because of things that happened in her past. And she thought that saying something would cause me to get angry. And because of abuse in her past that I would lash out at her, which I wouldn't have done. But, you know, it's, Past traumas create new scenarios that you can't fix kind of thing. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. Yeah. And um, we basically, I would go and like, I knew that something was wrong, but I would ask how everything was, if everything was okay. And I'd be told, yeah, everything's fine. I'm just stressed about work or I'm stressed about my roommate's. She never actually came to me and told me the actual truth that was bothering her. <laughs> she confided in someone else about that stuff. Then that beca- person became more prominent in her life. I see. Um, okay. This is this is something else, man. <laughs> Welcome to my world. <laughs> I tend to make these intricate webs of stupid. I'm very good at it. So she confides in another guy. And yep. they wind up doing whatever and riding off into the sunset. Is that where we're at right now? Um, the long and short of it is... Um, whew. Uh, she told me at one point she was going out to the other side of the country to meet some friends of hers from online. Um, I found out that friends meant friend. Uh, I was told that everything was okay, that we were okay. And, you know, sometimes it takes me getting punched in the face to realize, hey, you got to do what you got to do now. And so I started making plans. I was going to finally get everything out of the way. I was going to move forward. I was going to get an apartment and I was going to be, everything was going to be great and cool. And then I opened up Facebook one day to see pictures of that guy proposing to her. Okay. And, uh, (laughs) that started this year's downward spiral. So the spiral is the result because, and I guess I'm just trying to make sure I have a clear picture here. Yes. The, The downward spiral is a direct result because you had made the decision you wanted this life with this other woman you were going to get you you were done with the marriage 
you go on Facebook and you see this other dude proposing to this woman that you are head over heels in love with and you want to start this new life with. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Hedge. Man. <laughs> so when you see this, did you reach out to her? I mean, oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I, I was basically told that she only said yes because she felt trapped in the situation in the moment. And then when she got home, she was going to stay with me and everything was going to be fine. And then she came home and everything wasn't fine. And we kind of went back and forth for a few months um and normally we would have been cool you know i could have went to work i could have been wrestling i could have been having ways to keep my mind off of things and then um i tore my ac joint in my shoulder which then left me stuck on my couch for several months after surgery as, as you know so I had nothing but time to sit here and think and dwell. And eventually um, we ended up kind of cutting each other off. And um, I, I just, I got really low and um, yeah, um, as it stands now, um, she's decided to stay in that other relationship and um we are no longer on speaking terms. So when all this unfolds, mm -hmm. um, how how does your wife come back into the into the picture here? Does, uh, do you go back to her? Do you initiate some sort of plan for reconciliation? What what does this look like, Rick? She's more or less came to me and told me that she doesn't believe in divorce and she doesn't want to get divorced because she doesn't want our son to birth to grow up in a broken home. And so she stayed. And um, that's where she stands now. I don't know how that how our relationship is. I mean, we're we don't we don't fight as much as we used to like right now. And, I, you know. We're just sort of in a very weird situation where I don't necessarily know 100% what I want to do for the future. And I don't know what she wants to do for the future. But trying to keep things together for my son, for the most part right now. Right. Um, and that's kind of been my focus, uh, my main focus, my main thing that's... Jason, when I tell you there's there's two things that are keeping me going right now every day, and it's my son, and it's being able to get back into a wrestling ring. If I didn't have those two things, I probably wouldn't be here talking to you right now. Well, that's kind of where I wanted to go with this next part of it, is because, mm -hmm. brother, I, I, I read your post that, that you put on there. I've watched your your Facebook live videos and the heavy tones of 
suicidal thoughts and tendencies were obviously very blaring in, in, in those cases. And the one thing, and I'm going to be straight up with you, man, the, the, the one thing that I took away from a few of them was I no longer felt bad for you. I was pissed off at you. And that's because, fair. Because, you know, and I realized taking my taking myself out of the immediate situation and, and kind of looking at everything as a whole, like, I understand you were in a bad, bad place. Like, a lot of people go to that place. I've been there when I was younger, thankfully, and it's not something that I really deal with as much as in this day and age because I, you know, I've had to make some tough choices with, with my life. And For sure. The one thing that would piss me off more than anything is you would you would say something to the effect, and I'm paraphrasing here, of course. You know, I don't have anything to live for. I don't have anything here. To, I, I don't have anything to keep me here. Well, the last I knew, you had a kid. Yep. And I started to think, you know, if if something was to happen and you weren't here, you took care of that on your own accord, for the lack of a better term. I don't want to get too graphic. <laughs> no, it's fine. But, like, what the fuck is your kid going to think? When, I know. Whenever, and whenever his dad's name is brought up. When you get... I, I don't know if you've ever, like, had to deal with, like, severe depression. Um, I know that you've obviously... Everybody goes through stuff and gets low. The way that I operate, um, I'm going to be straight with you. I don't like myself. I hate myself. I have since I was six years old. It's part of the reason I've always gravitated to theater. One of the reasons I gravitate to wrestling is that I don't have to be me for a little while. You know? Um, and... I convinced myself that my son is better off without me. That he doesn't need to have a dad who is this messed up and makes this many mistakes and uh, can't ever seem to get his life together and that I'm more of a burden to him than anything else. It's literally like sitting there crying my eyes out the last time that I had an incident and just thinking that this is what's best for him, that I, I, that he doesn't need me. He'll be better off without me. And my wife will find someone else and he'll be a better father than I, than I'll be because I'm not, I'm not good enough. And you feel worthless. You feel, you, you just, you feel like a burden on him. And um, whether it's true or not, and, uh, you know, a lot of people go to every day like that's not true. That's your brain playing tricks on you. It feels more like a selfless act than a selfish one. Um, and that's. I've, I've had those feelings since I was a teenager. You know, going back even further to, to the not liking myself. 
Okay. Couple things here. <laughs> uh, you just laid out these these ways of you're rationalizing why this is a good thing offering yourself you know you made mention of you didn't want your son to have a dad who messed up and suffer the consequences and things of this nature and that you would be a burden on him because of the emotional toll that this whole scenario has played out in your life. Um, among other scenarios, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's... But this is the one that really triggered the downfall, right? I mean, this, yeah. this whole thing is what really is bringing this shit front and center in the here and now. This is what what your kid is seeing. So here's my point. Yeah. Here's my point, Rick. Mm -hmm. I can understand why you would feel that way, and I'm and we're we're going to tackle deeper into that part of it here in a second. But okay, in, instead of thinking that you are the kind of dad that your kid doesn't need, shouldn't be around, shouldn't be exposed to, kind of like the worst case scenario in life for the lack of a better term at some point I would imagine that you would have to shift your focus and, and prove to him show him that it's okay to fuck up it's okay if you don't always do the right thing but there is a way no matter how bad it is to pick yourself up, tackle head on what went wrong, and move forward in a more productive and a more positive way. Yeah, what's happening here and now sucks. It sucks for you. It sucks for a lot of people. But this doesn't have to be attached to your legacy. This can yep. be used as a as a learning tool on what not to do like you you are now the poster child of what you don't want to happen in this in this scenario because here is why can it keep you down can it be what what defines you as a person absolutely but in in your case rick i believe you have enough fundamental drive in your soul which you have demonstrated because of your love and, and your attempts to perform in some realm or another of, of, of the performing arts not a lot of people do that now you you have made mention that you take certain things out of your personal life to drive you into whatever character or role you are trying to on a public realm yeah you have a sense of confidence in a public realm that you are lacking on a personal one. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I get it. You know why? <laughs> because I do too. To this day I do. And when I, when I come across 
a situation to where I'm feeling overwhelmed, where I'm feeling doubtful, where I feel like I'm not quite on the level that I think I should be or deserve to be because I have beaten myself. I have to tap into that persona, that public persona, bring a little bit into my personal life and take a different approach at this because in our brains, we do go to a de- we do go to another place. There is there is a stockpile of self confidence that we tap into on a persona that we are acting out or that we are portraying in a public realm. Why in the blue fuck can we not utilize that in our personal lives to overcome these hurdles? That's what I've started to to do, and there are people who don't get it. There are people who are going to think that I am an asshole because they are seeing one aspect of me. You right. know me long enough. People who are, you know, my friends and my family, they've known me long enough to know that that is a very small piece of who I actually am. But at the same time, dude, that that is the one thing that that, that keeps me going. And that is the same thing that can that can, if you allow it to, Resurrect your entire existence into the person you want you want to be that you are proud of. Every time you look into the mirror, you are proud of the person who is looking back at you. It can be done, Rick. But, Rick. but the first thing that's got to happen, man, you got to stop living in the past. What's happened has happened and it is awful and it is heartbreaking and it did not play out anywhere near like you hoped it would. But at this point, you there, there's two things. You you can either learn from it and move on into a, a, a different road that could lead you to your true happiness that you may not have ever known was, was truly accessible to you or you can sit here and wonder what if and what should I have done? Could I have done this? Meanwhile, the other person in the equation, uh, by all intents and purposes, has has moved on. Yeah. And that's, I mean, there's no sense in wasting any more time on that side of the equation because, by and large, it appears that that chapter has closed. So, here's what here's what needs to happen. You got to get honest with yourself. You got to be a hundred percent honest with yourself. What is it that you want out of life? Where do you want to be? Who do you want to be? What do you want to do? Quit placing blame and quit. And I'm not saying that this is what you're doing necessarily or, you know, purposely or, or maliciously, but you can't start a forest fire and expect everybody else to, you know, to handle it. And you're just going to be there in, in your safe bubble. We have to take responsibility. I And that's, up. that's something that I've, I've, one of the main reasons I went back to therapy was so that I could get better at that. Um, because it's not something that I'm, I'm good at. Um, again, it dates years ago to unresolved childhood trauma and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I wish, I wish I had been in therapy for the last four or five years. Um, cause it's helped a lot. Um, it has helped a ton and it's, it's, it's helping to write the ship, so to speak right now, the stuff like 
you know, and um, that's that's what I'm working towards right now to get to get to that point. So let me ask you a question. Okay. Why do you hate yourself? What is it about you that 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 you hate? Okay. So I've never talked about this publicly, and there's very few people in my life who know about this. Um, and my therapist and I believe that everything, how I feel, a lot of my mental health issues, everything boils down to um, yeah, this is this is harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, when I was six, was the first time I was molested. It was a girl who lived near me. She was older. She rode my bus. I have a distinct feeling that it was happening to her, and it cycled around, and it happened. She, she decided to start with me as a way to help herself. I have no clue on that, but that's my guess. Otherwise, somebody that young isn't going to start doing that to someone even younger. Um, that continued for many years, and I repressed. Um, I was I was raped when I was eight, and I just sort of learned to think that this was normal, and all those feelings of shame and things like that um i just kind of bottled up and i was told don't tell anybody because if you tell anybody you're the one who's going to get in trouble because you're the boy and the boy always gets in trouble for things like this so i learned to deal with that guilt um that i was doing something wrong and um that's um that's how I learned to not like myself, to hate myself. And um, by the time I was in junior high, I had um, learned to just keep people out and keep away from people and to, to stay closed off. I had one, one really good friend in junior high. And by the time we got to ninth grade, he was very clear that he didn't want to be friends with me anymore because... I was bad for his reputation. I made him unpopular. So he cut me off completely. Um, anybody else in my life that I ever really got close to usually abandoned me. And I always just assumed it was my fault. It's something that I did. And um, just... Sorry. No. So Nope, um, I became very self-loathing, very self-hatred, um, self-destructive. Um, there are very few people in my life that I let in anymore. Like, I give off this aura that I'm, you know, Mr. Comedy and I'm funny and I'm always, you know, in a good mood. And I'm sure you've seen it, you know, yeah. but it's generally just what I present to people. Um, 
And I never dealt with that. Um, I never dealt with that trauma. Um, so it just, it grew and it grew and it grew and it grew and I repressed it and I buried it and I, I let it be. And, um, it's, it's just like any other illness. If you don't treat it, it just gets worse and worse. And, um, like I said, you know, I learned to hate myself because of the things that happened. And anytime anything goes wrong ever, I blame myself. Doesn't, doesn't matter if, if I'm even at fault. If something doesn't go the way that it's supposed to, it's my fault. I screwed it up. I made the mistake. I did something bad. And um, I just eat that guilt, even if it's not mine. Um, like I said, it's part of the reason I love, I love theater and I love wrestling. You know, Rick is a mess. He's depressed. He's angry. He's full of anxiety. But Alex is not that guy. Alex is confident and cocky and arrogant and doesn't mind speaking his mind. He doesn't care who he makes mad. So for 15, 20 minutes, I get to be that guy. And I don't have to think about being me. And I just sort of disassociate that way. So... Molested at six years old. Raped at eight years old. Was this by the same person? Yes, it was. Okay. Just wanted to make sure we were understanding what was happening here. Um, it's hard for me to fathom the kind of thoughts that you're you're relaying here because... I've never encountered anything like this, you know what I mean, personally. So I, I don't, I don't have a grasp on what goes into a mindset like this. I just, and I also, with that, I just don't understand how you would feel that because this individual did these horrible things to you, why that is your fault. Like how, what is the correlation to where here, you know, you're, you're doing your own thing, minding your own business. This person is doing the unspeakables with you. How is this your fault? Um, you know, when you're six, seven, eight, your brain hasn't kind of learned that yet. You know, you're being programmed still when you're that young. And so when she comes to you and says to you, if you tell anybody you're going to get in trouble, you go, okay, so I'm doing something wrong. I just can't tell anybody. So I'm in the wrong here. And when she says, I'm going to be fine. It's the boy who gets in trouble when stuff like this happens. You go, okay, I'm bad. Right. So if I tell anybody, that means I'm bad. So I got to keep it inside. I can't tell anybody about it, but it's my fault. It's, you know, it's hard to describe why that becomes your fault because I know, like, deep down, I didn't do anything wrong. 
but at the same time, I've been sort of trained, programmed, whatever, to believe that I was the one who was in the wrong. And so everything at that point becomes your fault. And I don't know if that's also an only child thing. You know, I'm the only one always getting in trouble. And, you know, when things like that are happening to you, you begin to lash out as a kid and you're, you get labeled a troublemaker. See where I'm going with this? Right. And you, it, it becomes just ingrained in your head that you're the problem. What kind of relationship did you have with your parents? I love my parents. I do. Um, I think you've actually spoke to my dad um, a few times um, on Facebook. Um, They were very, they were very supportive, but my, my dad had some anger issues growing up. Um, I used to worry about getting spanked. It was the eighties. It was still a thing. <laughs> right. Um, but you know, he has since, uh, apologized to me for what he feels was mistreatment. So, you know, there's that, but I've never really looked at my parents and been like, I had a crappy childhood growing up. I, I didn't. Um, I mean, we weren't, we weren't rich, but we weren't poor, you know, but a lot of people think I'm the only child. So I was spoiled. And that's not really true. Cause I, I wasn't spoiled. I didn't get everything I asked for just cause I was an only child. I got a lot, but, um, it wasn't like, I don't want to say I was spoiled. Let's just go with that. <laughs> um, but again, you're the only child. So when something bad happens around the house, if you don't learn to protect yourself and lie, you're the only one getting in trouble and you're the only one getting punished. And again, when you're hyperactive as I was and you are very impulsive, even as a young child, you're going to get in trouble. And unless you learn how to protect yourself, you're going to get in a lot more trouble. I got a lot of trouble because I learned how to protect myself. And, um, but there were still things that I, I couldn't protect myself from because I was the only person that could have done it. I know I tried to, I very vaguely remember this. Um, there's a lot of my childhood that's been kind of repressed and disassociated from, but I do remember at one point I did try to run away. Um, I don't remember why. And I don't remember, I know I got around the corner and then I got caught and I got in trouble, but, um, but I, I wouldn't say that I had an unhappy childhood. Um, the only unhappiness that I had was, um, as I got older, as I became a teenager and I became to be more introverted, um, that's when I started to get in a little bit more trouble. I can see where this is all kind of playing this, their own in, individual roles into how you go about things, you know, especially when you're dealing with these different conflicts. The uh, the dynamic and, and the severity of everything, I mean, you're talking about the most purest and the most raw 
of emotions when you start dealing with your heart with you know who who do you have feelings for on you know re, w w whether it's with your wife whether it's with the other person whether it's with your friends your family like there's different dynamics to every person in your life and that's why i kind of asked that's why i was kind of you know wondering what your relationship was like with your parents um you know and like you said i i have i have I have spoken with, with your dad before, and they've always been very cordial, very good conversations. Um, I mean, they were they were always very supportive. Um, I mean, <laughs> they were supportive of everything except for the wrestling. <laughs> that was the one thing they didn't really want me to do. But other than that, they were always very supportive of like my theater and anything else that I wanted to do. The wrestling was the one thing they had a bugaboo about. And my dad got especially mad when I built a wrestling ring in my backyard. At one point, he came home, and there was the beginnings of a wrestling ring in his backyard. But um, other than that, they, 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 they were always very supportive of me. So, the here and now, Rick, what if you had a magic wand or a magic pencil, as it were, and you could write your ideal end to this story. What does that look like? I honestly don't know. Why? Because... I right. just let let me rephrase it like, like this. Okay. I realize that's kind kind of a loaded question. <laughs> Let's kind of break this down. Do you want to be? I do. You, can I assume that we are past the point of self destruction, and you want to be here to be the best possible father for your son that you possibly can? More often than not right now, yes. So at this point, the here and now, you still have these thoughts that he may be better off with, without you around? I have bad days where I still get low, um, but I push past them. How often are we talking about here? couple times a week still uh usually when i wake up in the morning lately i'm sort of angry that i woke up and i mean i know i know that it's a, it's such a shitty thing to say to say that because i'm given an opportunity to continue living and sometimes i don't feel like i want it and it's I don't know if you know this, but um, about a year year or so ago, uh, my niece died, my niece Allie, and she was 19. It's going to sound <laughs> a pulmonary embolism, 
and she had a heart attack. She was 19. And it's not fair that she's not here. And I feel like this is, it's not fair that she's not here sometimes. And I am, and I'm just in this fucking wreck of a mode that I'm in. And there's somebody that had so much in front of her and I can't sometimes find the strength to pull myself out of bed. And it sucks, you know, I know that I have a lot of good things going for me and I know that I'm not a bad person. I don't feel like deep down, but I feel like I, I feel like I'm a bad person. And I get to live and other really good people aren't anymore. And I know that I shouldn't feel that way. You're, I do remember when your niece passed away. Um, I remember reading a couple of very heartfelt posts about it that you had written. In this aspect, brother, I, uh, I can totally feel you on this. I understand and I I can I can empathize with waking up and wondering why. Um why why did somebody that we cared so much for and by and large brought such a positive glow to the world around them? Why are they not here, but the fuck stains among among the living still walking upright? Why why is this? I've dealt with that. I know <laughs> for the last year and a half. But here's my here's my thing, Rick, and this is my approach. I swear to God, bro, this this is the pep talk I give myself. Whenever I'm feeling like that. And it doesn't happen nearly as often as it used to. But here's the thing. In, in my case, it was my brother. In, in your case, it's your niece. And what I can assume would be the similarities between the two is they brought a great deal of joy and happiness and hope and promise and all of those things to our lives, not just ours individually, but those that they graced with their presence. What kind of life do you think that our loved ones would want us to lead after they are no longer here? Do you think your niece wants you to wallow around in self-doubt and self-pity and things of this nature, or do you think she would want you to pick your ass up out of the bed and focus on what on one thing that you can do on this day to improve your situation a little bit more than it was yesterday? Because that's what I tell myself. My brother would not want me to not do something or not pursue something or to just lay around and let these feelings overcome me and defeat me because he's not here anymore. He would not have that. 
And I've got to believe that she would not want that for you. So instead of sitting there and wondering, why did this happen? Why are they no longer here when there's other people who don't deserve a, their next breath still are? I, I think of what can I do here today to make the, to, to make my brother proud? Or what can you do on this day to make your niece proud? Just one small step to make this day a little bit better than you were yesterday. You're, 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 it's not going to happen all, all in one shot. It just isn't. You, you have a lot of layers that you need that you need to go through. But instead of mourning the ones that we don't have with us anymore, we need to celebrate these people. And the only way that we can do that is because of them their influence and what they brought to our lives use that as your motivation to turn your shit around that's that's why i'm still wrestling <laughs> honest, honest to god um you know you know you've seen me say i don't know how many times that i'm retired and i'm done right and um Enough to where I don't take it seriously anymore. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> um, but then I would think, like, is that how she would want me to end my wrestling career? Because she was, since she was a baby, like, she's been a fan of mine. <laughs> she's been a wrestling fan her whole life, and she, she loved that she could say that her Uncle Rick was a wrestler. You know, she even actually helped me. Um, do a finish at IWE. She she actually got in the ring and helped me do a finish uh, uh, a couple months before she died, which is still one of my favorite moments. Um, but you know her her mom like kind of came to me one day and was like, "That's you know you need to keep going because Allie would want you to keep going." And she's right. You know, Allie would want me to not want to end on this. Um, and even though it's hard, because I'm kind of riding solo again, I'm keeping going because of her, and that's something that's keeping me motivated to keep going and to be better. And I've, like, I've talked to you, like, trying to get my, that little bit of that cocky attitude back that I'm, that I'm, that I'm actually good at this. And I, I actually got to wrestle at IWE uh, last weekend. And I was so worried that I was going to just be, I think you've heard in our, in, in our, our business, the term, the drizzling shits <laughs> many times. And I was, I was so worried. And part of it goes to John, John Campbell, who was in there with me. Cause John's great. John's a consummate, you know, I've never had a bad match with John and, um, but I went in there and I, it was like, I hadn't missed any time at all for the most part. And it made me feel really good again. It's like, I can still, I can still do this. And, um, so that her wanting me to keep going is something that's something that's motivating me. So, okay. Well, we're off to the we're we're off on the right start in that aspect. Yes, I feel like that if you incorporate that same kind of 
inspiration to other aspects of your life, it'll make things a little bit more tolerable. It, it, it's almost like having an angel on your shoulder. Now, I don't know if you are a, re a religious person, Rick, and I'm not here I'm not here to ask you that question. Mm -hmm. um, that's really none of my business. You know, there are people who are, there are people who not. I get it. Um, so kind of focusing on the here and now and kind of breaking down, uh, you know, how would you write the ending to your story? And I don't mean ending by up until the day you die. I'm talking about <laughs> where, what, what can we do to get past this spot here and now like what does your future look like what would you like it to look like so with that being so loaded and i understand that <laughs> do you have i guess i need to back up a little bit because <laughs> you have to you have to get right with yourself man yep that's and I understand, man, you have obligations, you have responsibilities, you have a family, you know, regardless of what that dynamic looks like here and here and now, at this point, you, you do have a family. Um, at, what is it when you think about your happy place? What people are involved in that happy place that are in your life, the here and now, not what, not, not the what ifs, not the what could have been, because as we've established, that's, that's moved on. Yep. In the, in the here and now, do you have aspirations to save your marriage, to, to move forward with your marriage? Do you have aspirations? Uh, do you think that you would be happier as, you know, to your fundamental self if the marriage did come to an end and you guys moved on in life, co-parenting your son? Um, because I feel like before you really start making gains to go to wherever that promised land is, we need to figure out who's who's going to be there with you. And in order to do that, you know, and you may not have the answer right now. I'm not asking for, for the answer right now. All I'm saying is you got to get right with you, man. You need, you need to get a hundred percent honest with yourself because we've got one shot at life, brother. And if you are that miserable right now, then, uh, you know, there has to be changes because if you're that miserable, you are by and large making the people around you miserable too, either because they don't want to be around it or they don't want to see you like that. And I, yeah, yeah. I uh, appreciate the fact that your wife is so, has such a strong hold on the whole concept of marriage. I appreciate that to no end. But at the same time, man, if she's miserable, you're miserable, you can put up all the fronts that you want. But the one person that's really going to um, suffer the consequences of this, either, you know, 
uh, consciously or subconsciously is going to be your kid. I know. That's, and that's one of the things that's really, really, really worries me <laughs> is that, you know, I'm doing irreparable harm to him the same way that somebody did irreparable harm to me. Not as, not as, not as severe, obviously, because obviously nobody's ever, you know, done the stuff to him that had happened to me, but psychologically, am I doing damage? Am I doing long-term damage? Is, is he going to have the same problems with relationships that I have now because of what I'm doing or what I did? It, it, it worries the hell out of me. And, um, it's, it's, again, it's one of those reasons that I've, I've stayed with therapy because I need, I need that help, you know? Right. Um, honestly it's like i don't know anybody who's listening but like if you need therapy get therapy it it helps tremendously it's probably saved my life right now like i said the last time that that happened you know you said you know what what, what would that do to him and that's something that i thought about and that's part of the reason that i went into the hospital to get treatment was because of him um, you say like, who are the people that I need around me to be happy right now? It's me and him. Those are, it's not, and like, I hope that anybody, you know, from any rosters or whatever, listening doesn't mean that I don't love you. It's just that it's, it's gotta be me and him. You know what I mean? Right. Any, um, you said, I don't let a lot of people in already. And then the last person that I let in put me here. So I got to focus on me and him. You, that's That's got to be my circle. Um, with hopefully people who are around me who stay. And um, I won't lie, there's been a lot of friends that I've lost over the last couple of months because of me and my actions and the things that I've done. And... Um, that I take full responsibility for. I think a lot of it, Rick, is, is, and I'm certainly not going to speak for anybody, but um, I think a lot of it is because you had put so much out there and a lot of it was so vague, but, you know, anybody that knew you knew that you were truly struggling with something, but as, as, you, you know, as, you read your posts and stuff like yeah we we get it you're 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 unhappy you're going through a tremendously rough time right now but you're not doing anything to help yourself that's how now that's just how it, it was perceived i wasn't you know attached at at your hip so i don't know what the hell you were doing you may have been trying to trying to go through the motions of trying to improve your situation and and nobody knows anything about it but the way it was presented the way it was perceived the way you kind of put it out there on social media it just seemed like all right man we get it you're in a bad place what are we going to do here what are you going to do here and if you're not going to do anything about it other than come on facebook and bitch about it there will be no resolution 
there will be no getting past this. And that's, I think that's where a lot of the frustration came in because your friends, your family, these people that care about you, man, they don't want to see you like this. They don't want to see you miserable and go on, you know, on Facebook live, you know, bawling your eyes out. Nobody wants to see that because we care about you. But at the same time, man, we, we get pissed because we know what kind of potential you have. We know, we know the ones who really know you, we know what's in your heart. We know what kind of person you want to be and who you can be because by and large up until, you know, a, a situation here or there, that's who you are. You are a good person and you do deserve the good things in life. And yeah, shit happens. A lot of it we bring on ourselves. But when that happens, we have to man up and be like, yeah, I fucked up. This is what I did. There's nothing I can do to change it. All I can do is try to learn from it and move on. Either you're with me or you're not. If they decide not to be, that's the end of the conversation. And it sucks. You have to cut, you know, you have to sever those ties. It's never an easy thing, especially when it's somebody that you care about, somebody that you've known for a long time. But I'm here to tell you, in order to get to your happy place, in order to get to your end game, in order to get to the life that is truly going to make Rick Crow happy, sometimes you're going to have to make, make some cuts along the way. Because the people that, that do believe in you, that truly love you, that truly support you, and, and really want you to succeed in every aspect of life, are going to be there. But you have to allow them to help you. You have to allow them to, you know, show you things that you may not be able to see because you're so wrapped up in the moment. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. I do. And again, that's something I'm, I've always had troubles with and I'm learning, you know, and, and at least that's the thing that I can take away from this is that it, it got me into therapy and it got me to start moving into that right direction. It's really the only good thing, <laughs> but, um, you know, now that I have the opportunity to begin to heal from those things that happened years ago. And like, like you said, learn from my gigantic, colossal, huge, fuck ups that I did the last couple of months and I did it's it, whether you know whatever happened the mistakes that I made were my mistakes and coming to terms with them is going to be hard but it's also something that um, ultimately hopefully will make me better in the long run well listen um, as we near the end of this let me say a couple of things <laughs> well, I guess before I do, is is there is there anything else that we did not touch on that you want to relay to anybody listening? Um, I think the main thing that I said is, it, I think you touched on it pretty early too. Is that you know, mental health isn't really always taken as seriously as it should be, yeah. uh, and it should be. It, it's it's huge. Um, I would dare say mental health is one of the most important things that you can do for yourself. Um, if you need help, get help. Like there's people that will help you. Um, so many people I know, cause I felt 
for a long time, you know, you feel alone and you're not. Um, and if you need therapy, get therapy, get help. Um, like I said, I should have been in therapy a long time before this happened (laughs) and it might've helped, uh, resolve these situations instead i you know i can do it by myself and I, I don't need anybody's help but get help get therapy um it's it's important you know you your brain runs everything man <laughs> you know what i mean and um don't don't feel like you have to fight that stuff alone um there's really there's great therapists out there and um if you need help, get help. That's, that's, that's the one thing I hope that everybody will take away. And, um, you know, the other thing, and I hope at some point people in my life that I've hurt will realize that, uh, you know, you could, you've made people make mistakes. People are human. Um, don't define yourself or don't define other people in your life by the mistakes that they've made. Um, Especially if deep down they're, they're you think they're a good person. Um, I think I'm a good person deep down. I just I make stupid mistakes, and we all do. Okay. First thing I would like to reiterate is. Absolutely. If you need help in dealing with any kind of mental health issue, there is absolutely no shame in that. No shame in it whatsoever. And unfortunately, in this day and age, with social media and the amount of neg- negativity that oftentimes gets relayed to these types of things, like it shows signs of weakness or whatever, could not be further from the truth. And if anybody adopts that that philosophy, I would dare say that they probably need to talk to somebody worse than anybody at this point. There is nothing wrong with asking for help. And especially when you're dealing with things like this, because as you have laid out here, so honestly, so brutally, um, you know, this, this is what can happen when you do let, let it just overtake you. You know, you can't, you, you know, you, you, you can only do so much and everybody is different. Everybody can can withstand different amounts of adversity and things of this nature. Along those lines, man, and Rick, you said it when you when you said you know the brain runs the runs the whole machine. You know you you got it. You got to be as close to being right up there as you possibly can. There are going to be days that you know they're not necessarily going to you know fill fill the sails up with wind there are going to be days where you seem like you are in the midst of one big shit storm a lot of times that is by our own accord other times it is by 
another entities that is out of our control, but for whatever reason, it has affected us in one way or the other. I maintain that in order for anybody to achieve true happiness in this world or as close to true happiness as you possibly can and I've said it before on here I've said it on previous episodes and I will say it a million more times you've got to get right with yourself you've got because the one person you're not going to bullshit is 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 the person looking in the mirror you may think that you can you may think that you have everybody fooled but I'm here to tell you there's going to be that that little tingle in the in the pit of your stomach that that reminds you that you're not being on the up and up with yourself. Once we get to a point to where we know what's going to make us happy. We know which route we have to go and it's not always going to be an easy one. It's it's going to be riddled with you know, a lot of challenges with a lot of roadblocks with, with a lot of anything, but if it's worth anything to you, you will continue the course and you will deal with whatever comes your way. When now, when you start dealing with relationships, especially ones as intimate as marriages, as is the case with you, right? That does become a slippery slope. That does become very complicated and even more so if there are kids involved. I understand that. <coughs> but I also understand that it is my opinion that a child or children would much rather see two happy parents than a miserable couple. Mm-hmm. I think that they would flourish more and would be able to comprehend things better if they weren't constantly in an environment that has a huge undertone of animosity, um, fighting, you know, whether it's verbal or body language or whatever. I mean, kids are kids are pretty smart. You know, they they pick up on a lot of shit. Yeah, and and my kid is especially smart. Not to you know brag or anything, but <laughs> my my kid's pretty my kid's pretty clever. I think parents that are generally happier with with their individual selves as well as whatever the dynamic of a co-parenting situation looks like, whether you're together or not, they are going to be more beneficial for the child or children. They are going to, um, you know, things will be a lot less volatile. Now, does that mean I advocate, you know, the destruction of a marriage at the drop of a hat? No, certainly not. I, I, I would suggest that, you know, you go through every possible avenue that you possibly can if this is something that you know or you have an idea that you want to save, you want to salvage, you want to work on, you want to move forward with. But if you know in your heart of hearts that that you're probably not going to be happy with yourself 
or happy in the family dynamic that is eventually going to start rearing its ugly head in subconscious ways with everybody else and nobody wants to live their lives walking on on eggshells man just don't it's not fair to you it's not fair for the other party and it sure as shit is not fair for for the kids yep so um you know i am not a therapist i am not a psychiatrist i am not anything but i've gone through a lot of different scenarios in life and i've seen different scenarios in life and there are still times and cases that come across my radar much like this one to where i don't have a lot of experience in it so how how can i help with anything well let's apply some common sense here because at, at, at the end of the day, you know, everything should come down to a, a foundation of some sort of common sense. If you're not happy, you're not going to make anybody else around you happy. And if that means there has to be some sort of, of separation, there has to be some sort of separation as long as it's done cordially as long as it's done with the child at, or children at the forefront, their best interest, their well-being, you know, it's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows, but it doesn't have to be a total doom and gloom either. It's going to take a lot of work on all parties, all people involved. But if there is a chance that a marriage can be saved, it could be the greatest success story you've ever seen. It could be that fairy tale ending in the here and now. Obviously, not something that you would see in a Disney movie, but I digress. You're right. Rick, I believe in you, man. Like, I know what you're capable of. I've, I've seen it. I've talked to it. I've, I've, I've seen you at your very best. I've also seen you at, at your absolute worst. But I also believe that, yeah, okay, maybe you didn't handle things ideally, but again, what's done is done. You can learn from it. And you can apply it to wherever you, wherever you want your life to take you. But in order for you, for you to start making that first step, you gotta, you, you got to get real with, with yourself and be committed to it. Because at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, you have ob obligations as a parent. And at this point, you have responsibilities as as a spouse. But at the at the same time, man, it, it's your life. And what what can you do to make to maximize your minutes and to make that the most meaningful life that that you possibly can? You've 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 hit rock bottom, right? So it's like the absolute worst. The good news is you got nowhere to go but up. Yep. And there's gonna be a lot of people willing to help you when whenever you get stuck, whenever you are in a neutral phase. There are gonna be those people that rally around you to help you when that happens. But at the same time, brother. And this is my my the, the one thing I want you to take away from this is aside from getting real with yourself, you got to put in the effort. You are going to have to do this. And a lot of this you're going to have to do on your own. But 
if it's worth anything to you, you are going to overcome challenges. Because I've got to believe that you do not want to spend the rest of your life in misery. You have so much to give. You have so much to pass on to your son that you don't even realize because you're focused more on what's going wrong. Let's shift that and focus for a little bit what's going right. And for right now, you are making tremendous strides. The first thing that I would do is quit posting live videos on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, that's. I think I've said all I need to say on Facebook videos at this point. <laughs> that's not to say don't reach out to people. I would just say, you know, reach out to the ones that you know have the have your best interest at the forefront. Okay. And, and sometimes, Rick, when, when we are our own worst enemies, when we are our own worst critics, sometimes it takes something very small, seemingly, that makes the, the biggest impact. And that is, we need to be reminded that we matter. We need to be reminded that we make a difference and that we are important. And my friend, you do make a difference. You are important. And there are a lot of people who are rooting for you. There are a lot of people who cheer for you. And there are going to be a lot of people that are going to be there waiting for you when you cross that finish line to the kind of life that you want to live. Yeah, I appreciate that. And that's something that I'm, I'm learning. I'm 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 learning that. It's it's hard to undo, you know, 35 years of an opposite way of thinking, but I'm trying. I really am. As long as you keep trying, um, that's okay. It's when you stop trying that that starts to that that starts to become a problem. Just don't lose sight on that light at the end of the tunnel because it's there for you, man. It's there for you. And every day, every stride, every every positive thing that happens is one more step towards that light at the end of the tunnel. And with every step, that light gets a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. To the, you know, That's what keeps you on the here and now. Like there is something on that horizon that is awaiting you. And it's going to be the greatest chapter of your life. You just got to get to it. You got to keep pushing forward. And I know you can. And I know you will. Because I'm, I'm, I'm going to be right behind you watching and cheering for you and screaming at you and chanting <laughs> your name. When, when you get knocked down, we're going to be right there to yell at you to get your ass back up. When you don't feel like rolling out, out of bed because the first thought is a negative one, fuck that. What's going to happen right today? Roll your ass out of bed. Brush your hair. Brush your teeth. Wipe the cobwebs out, out of your eyes. A clean pair of underwear would, would be beneficial. Yeah, I can see how that could be helpful. And tackle the day, bro. Beat the day. Don't let the day beat you. Okay. 
I will work on that. <laughs> I know you will. Because I'm not going to allow you to do anything other than that. Feel me? I do. I All do. Right. I uh, I really appreciate you, com- you know, coming on here, man. I, I know it wasn't easy. And uh, I think there are a lot of aspects to your story that, that people will, will take away from this. And perhaps they will use it to motivate themselves in the event that they're just not feeling it or they're in some sort of funk or they feel like they've hit rock bottom. Your story has, has the potential to be one of redemption and one of inspiration. So I certainly appreciate you coming on here and laying all this out. So Uh, like I said, if I can, I think I told you that, like if I could help somebody, then Maybe this wasn't all such a terrible thing. There you go. You're looking at at the silver lining right there, man. And that's where it all starts. uh, We certainly appreciate everybody tuning in this week. If you have any kind of feedback, um, show topic ideas, shout outs or anything of the like, you can send us a direct message over to the Klaus to the Heart Facebook page or just go to our official website, KlausToTheHeart.net. Um, and, of course, we are making our way to our 100th episode here in a couple of weeks. And then, like, a week after that, uh, we're going to go back on stage live, the Pix Theater in downtown Lapeer, Michigan, Pre-sale tickets will go on sale on October the 15th, or you could pick them up at the door the night of the show, assuming we haven't sold out. (laughs) (laughs) We can always hope, right? Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, for Rick Crow, I'm Jason Klaus. We certainly appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll see you next Tuesday morning, beginning at midnight, with a brand new episode of the Klaus to the Heart podcast, powered by Anchor.fm. Hey, we're going to run a quick time out here on this week's show. And one of the cool things that we get to do here on our network of podcasts is to let you, the, the listeners, know about other companies and endeavors that are happening in and around your area that you may not be aware of. For example, I want to tell you about our friends over at Lily Rose Creations. Now, what they do is... They make a variety of gifts and trinkets for for occasions, for birthdays, for holidays, whatever the case may be. They have a variety of ready-made items that are all made by epoxy resin. They include keychains and necklace charms, soap dishes, trinket trays, magnets, and other stuff so check them out they're over on facebook and on instagram just look for lily rose creations